It's the next level. Warning. The following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome, Primers, into this issue 142 of the DC Primetime Podcast from the spotlight here on the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Ben Beck. And from the Caffeine Crew cast of pods, I'm Rob Martin. That was read or spoken with such dramatic emphasis. It was. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Uh, it's pretty much straightforward week this week. At least we're saying that at the beginning. We'll see how it's going to turn out by the end. Uh, but one episode to talk about this week as Arrow, The Flash, and Supergirl are all still on break. However, I believe Arrow and Flash... I know Arrow for sure, but I believe Flash comes back next week as well. Uh, this I week. believe Arrow and Flash this week. Supergirl comes back into the fold the following week. Yeah, so we're going to have four shows to talk about in about two weeks. Which oh, is... my God. It's, uh, oh, and it's great because guess who doesn't have to watch it then? <laughs> <laughs> well, you still have to watch it. You still have to watch it. You're yeah. just not going to be on the podcast that week. That's true. That's true. We have to. We have to talk to our good friend Shad as uh, Damn It Shad Primetime comes back for his second episode. <laughs> yes. Um, I, yeah, said, so I think except last time you were the co-host because I uh, wasn't on. No, I think it was – no, I think Shad had, was on with both of us. I think the only time that I had that was uh, it was me and Paul. Okay. Um, so I, I don't think uh, me and Shad have ever done just a direct, just uh, the two of us. So. Okay. Well, it, yeah, I, it, it's going to be fun uh, having Shad come on and co-host for uh, Damn It Shad Part 2. and uh, But that's because you will be uh, overseas. You will not yes. be in the country. I will be in Miceland. <laughs> so that's what we keep calling it. It is Our, our group chat is Miceland. Miceland. And, and uh, if you have ever watched uh, or listened to uh, the um, musical of the uh, Monty Python's Holy Grail, Yes. Uh, or, or we'll spam a lot. Uh, sorry. Um, we actually have now turned the, the Finland song in the beginning into <laughs> our Iceland song. So it's Iceland, Iceland, Iceland. That's the country for me. I and love it, I love spam a lot so much. I can't wait to see that turned into because it's coming out, in I think, next year as a as a movie. Yes, so, it is. Yeah, it's, so, it's getting the producer's right. treatment. Yes, I think it's yeah, 2020. So. Uh, lots of musical movies, I think, coming out in 2020. I think Wicked also comes out in 2020, so I at Christmas time. I know we're already getting off track, too, but the uh, the rumored casting I heard for Spamalot, uh, if it happens, is phenomenal. Ooh, ooh do tell. Um, the only two rumored castings I've heard are for Arthur and Patsy, mm-hmm. uh, and that is Benedict Cumberbatch as Arthur <laughs> uh, and um, Peter Dinklage as Patsy. 
I could see that probably being the case because both of them can sing. Yes. So, uh, um, and, and I th- and they both have comedic chops. So, I I think that would be phenomenal. That that would I think just be uh, just wonderfully amazing, and I, I I would kill to see that. Oh so. my god, it would be. I I have a feeling it's probably going to quickly become like one of my top ten favorite movies if it's done anything like the musical because uh, I like I love the producers as well so the fact that it's when I say producers treatment I mean started as a movie turned into a musical and now becoming a musical movie which is exactly what happened with the producers hey, you know what hey and that's fine because uh, you know b- both versions of the producers are phenomenal yeah. so I I would be happy with. If they if they can pull it off, and I'm pretty sure that they can, um, I will be more than happy. Me too. Uh, let's get back on the DC track. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I guess we should probably do that. <laughs> so, yeah. Before we take it off afterwards. Yes. So. Oh, yeah, because we're going to be talking about something not DC-related towards the end of the podcast as well, which uh, I know you and I are both excited about, and I know there's a lot of people excited about it. Yes. So yes, yes, yes. <laughs> we'll be talking. Wow, you almost went into uh, something related to the teaser with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so let's talk about the DC stuff first, and then we'll we'll skip we'll jump the track again at the end of the podcast. Um, but uh, yeah, one show to talk about this week that is DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, we'll give it our ranking, and then we'll go right into the breakdown. And then following that, we're we're gonna spend a couple minutes on Justice League versus the Final Five, and or then Fatal Five. Fatal Five, yes, yes. Uh, and then we'll also spend probably a couple minutes more so me than Rob, since Rob, I don't believe you've seen it yet. Yeah, that's unfortunately. I think uh, I think I I probably won't be back to the movies for a little bit. It's not that I don't want to. It's just things have been really busy, and I just don't have time because uh, I really want to see Shazam. I really do. Uh, but yeah, it's it, it time just sucks. Yeah, uh, and and I see that too. And, and because especially you know with the con that I'm I'm putting together and everything, and you know that's finally progressing. I definitely see how that could be. But I saw it twice, so I saw it once for you too. Thank you. Uh, but we'll talk about Shazam. Did, a I, did I enjoy it? You did. <laughs> so, very much good. so. Especially more good. so the second time. Good. I, you know what? That's that's what matters most. So, <laughs> But yeah, so we'll spend a couple minutes on Shazam as well once we uh, uh, once we wrap up with uh, Legends of Tomorrow and uh, Fatal Five. But let's start off with Legends of Tomorrow and give it our one of three point ranking. That being sidekick, hero, or legend. Rob, I will kick it over to you. Season four, episode 10 of legends what do you give it i've got to give this, give this one a legend i think it was just a lot of fun and it was just in general i you know i was thinking it was gonna stay in that solid hero uh for for most of the episode and then there was a couple of moments i was like maybe it's just gonna go into mid hero <laughs> like with some of the mona stuff that i the, well not her character it the the cg's a little wonky i think still in her character just a little bit uh but I will say by the end of the episode, something massive happened. And there was just a lot of great humor uh, that really ended up tilting this into, I think, an 8.0 and getting that coveted legend. So, Uh, Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm in legend territory for this as well. I thought there was just a ton of stuff that was a lot of fun. Like you said, Uh, the truth roach was just, man, they had so much fun with that in this episode. And uh, one thing disappointed me about this. But uh, we'll get into that with discussion. But it didn't take away from uh, the the actual episode itself. In that, it um, I think it's set. It's we're we're getting that shift of the story now that's going to progress towards the the end game of the season. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, uh, but yeah, so season four, episode 10, uh, The Getaway. When Hank commandeers the Wave Rider in 1973, the legends find themselves on the run in the RV after kidnapping the president who was only able to tell the truth. With the help of Constantine, they discover the reason that none of them can lie, making for an uncomfortable family road trip. Meanwhile, Nate and Zari, with the help of Nora and Gary, work together to find out what Hank is really up to. Um... Yeah, so I, I'm just going to kick off with this right away. Uh, you know, we started, I said last week, uh, you know, that I had read a story that Hank Haywood was supposed to be the the main big bad for the season. And they just, they had so much fun working with him and they loved his character so much that they, they shifted that. And I was saying, well, knowing that now, it's going to be great to see where they take his character. I, I don't know if I agree with that anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because his they've unfortunately killed off Hank Haywood, which was really a big bummer to me because I really started to like his character. Well, you know, we we saw his his soul pulled out, and uh, it's very possible that maybe there's still a way to save him. So you never know. Like I said, we're dealing with you know things like hell and all this stuff, and uh, anything is possible. Anything is absolutely possible in the Arrowverse, especially with magic. You know, when magic's concerned, you've got somebody like John Constantine around. We have Nora Dark around. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how all of this breaks down. But yeah, it was a, it was a big shock. But you know what, though? Um, I think, while as much of a bummer as it was, I think it was really the right call because they really needed to make Neron um, pop. Like, he had to become the big bad and by the end of this episode, you really, really liked uh, Hank a lot. Um, you know, the fact that he he was the only character not affected, really, for the most part, by the, the truth roach. Um, you know, we, we see Nate kind of pours, pours his heart out to him. And all of his responses, because the thing always jumps to anybody that's lying. And it, it never did. And he was just like, no, I'm really sorry I did this to you. I, I You know, I, I don't want this to happen. And I'm going to make things right. So you you knew it was true. Yeah. Yeah. That was a really great way to do that. And so when you see his death come at the hands of Neuron at the very end of the episode, that it was just, it, it had the biggest impact and elevated Neuron to a big bad in an instant. And it was the right way to do it. Yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned with the roach and everything, uh, you know, how he said like everything I'm doing, I'm doing for you, Uh, you know, and it's, when the roach didn't jump to him, you're right. You absolutely knew everything he was saying was true. It was such a great moment between him and Nate that, you know, was something that we kind of always wished between these two characters. Um, And, you know, to see everything play out the way it did and to have that heartwarming moment between the two of them, Hank come around and saying like, you know, if you trust the legends, I trust them. They're free to go. You kind of, I guess, in, in typical TV trope, you had to know things were going too well. Yes. So things something had to go wrong at some yeah. point. Uh, yeah, and I think you're right. I mean, that's exactly kind of the way they set this up. But I think it's it's the most – I couldn't see it happening any other way. I, I really couldn't. And I think because now – I think what's exciting is what this kind of leads us to. And it sets up a lot of potential angles. Are we going to see Nate kind of fall into that role and still continue to work for the Bureau in that same way? And kind of slip into his father's role and kind of work with Neron unbeknowing to him. And kind of putting Nate at odds with the team. I mean, we've seen him separated from the team so much of this season. 
is that how we're going to continue to see him? And I think that'll be a very interesting part is where Nate's role kind of goes from here. Or do we see him slip back in with the Legends as he kind of works with a team to try to hunt down Nora Dark? And then we're going to see this really, you know, obviously we're going to see this piece. <coughs> excuse me. See this piece between him and Ray uh, because you have best friends now at odds because one person's trying to go after uh, the other person's kind of love interest. And that's going to add a really interesting element to to the mix. So I'm really curious to see how this is going to how this is going to shake out. But I think this is really good because the way that we we know these characters function together. And this is kind of shaking up, going to force the status quo to shake up in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting, too, that you bring up <clears throat> the direction with Nate because I think it really could go either way at this point. Um, you, you know, he's under the impression that Nora Dark is the one that killed his father, which, uh, you know... Applause to to Neron for setting that up. I don't even think that was intentional. It wasn't. Uh, it it really wasn't because like she could feel his presence. We see that early on in the episode um, when she is with uh, Gary, and and it's just kind of like, oh, you know, this is this is bad. Things things are 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 really messed up, and we have to find a way around this mess. Yeah, and and knowing the fact that she could feel his presence makes Nora now a really interesting part. And we knew she was going to serve a larger purpose this season. And we were just waiting for that moment to happen. But I think now it's it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. Because, you know, does this mean she goes and disappears back to a Renaissance Festival at some point or, or what? You know, it's the big question of how do they handle it in the way that the Legends handle it. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and that's, I think, what makes it interesting because it really makes us believe that anything truly can happen, and which is one of the best parts about this show is you generally know that obviously good is going to triumph over evil, but the way that the journey is going to be shaped out and the humorous and more twisted way that it's going to shape out, it's going to be the the fun part of the adventure. Yeah. You know, but, Oh God, excuse me. It's contagious now. Uh, You you know, but you, you did bring up the point about Nate. And I think, uh, looking at it from both points of view, from which way it could go, it would be interesting to see him jump back on board uh, with the Legends to kind of pursue Nora Dark because he feels that she's the one that killed his father. But it would also, I could also see it going the other way where, you know, with the moment that him and Hank had before Hank, you know, life before Hank's life was ended, I could see him stepping into Hank's role. Yeah, it was just like I said that. Yeah, that's yeah, so you and I are, are basically yeah. 100% on board with it. It's, 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 that's our, those are the only two paths. Those are the only two uh, that I see as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so I'm happy to see that we're both on the exact same page with that because I think I don't there, I, I don't possibly think that there is a third option there. I, and I really I, and, don't. And I think that's I think that's great. And I think that's smart writing because it's like, oh, it's only going this way or this way. And the thing is, Legends is the weird show that really could give us a, a third option that we never would have thought of because I think it's the only show in the Arrowverse that feels like you can almost pull that off. Yeah. It says it's not even any of these pieces. And I, and I know that you had already said both of those options. I was basically just reiterating. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I was I, I was totally paying attention. Don't worry. I was just oh, reiterating your two choices. Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to see how how that's going to how that's going to move, because, yeah, I mean, I really want to see Nate back with the team. I really, really do. Uh, well, because we haven't you, seen him power up at I think at all this season, maybe yeah. once, if if any. Yeah, it's been very few times with him just kind of more in the Time Bureau role. Um, but it makes me also question what's going to be the importance of the Time Bureau um, 
by the later points of this season or by the time the season wraps up? Are we going to kind of see the legends kind of break from that a little bit more or or what? So I, I'm very curious to see how this is all going to shake out. Yeah. Um, I had a point and I totally lost it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So but, you know, it, when it comes down to the hunt for Nora Dark and, you know, th- talking about how Nate, how we haven't seen Nate power up. Uh, much this season. We are on episode 10, and for the most part, we really haven't gotten a lot of super heroics from a lot of these guys. I don't think we've seen Ray uh, put on the Adam suit much at all this yeah, season. Yeah, it's been very minimal. It, yeah. it, you know, we haven't seen, you know, we've seen Charlie shapeshift a couple times. Uh, Mix brought out the gun a couple times. But for the most part, we really haven't seen a lot of super heroics from this team. But that just goes to show the story aspect of things is that the story is so well written for this season and, as you mentioned, could go anywhere that we're really not concentrating on the superheroics. Like, they've done, uh, a, uh, yeah. they've done a great job of building up these characters to be characters we care about and want to follow even though they're not being their superhero selves. Yeah, and I think really, you know, it's kind of the the big piece that's that shows the difference between this show and Arrow, and this is not the dog on Arrow by any stretch of the imagination, is because Arrow always set itself up as to be that costume superhero show. So this season, when we didn't really see any of it, everything felt off. Uh, but Legends has kind of done that from the start. Like, you know, season one, it was a lot more costuming, you know, heroics that were happening you know, episode by episode, but like you could even see them transitioning slowly out of that in season one. Season two, you see more of them showing their normal side, but because we're actually kind of watching them as just normal people trying to solve these problems. I mean, they're also heroes, but it's it's showing them kind of behind the scenes, and that's what that show this show has kind of become. But it, it's transitioned into that over a long period of time. Uh, where Arrow would, it just kind of turned off the light switch and said, well, we're really not going to do costumes this year uh, or or do it in a very minimal way I, is when it was a kind of a very, very stark comparison. You're like, that doesn't feel right. Yeah. Um, so and I think that's where I think if, you know, it sounds like we're being hypocritical at all about that. I think that's the reason why it, it stands out so much. Uh, and then it feels normal almost in the show for this to be the direction that it's following. Yeah, I mean, the show has done such a great job with the character development of these guys that, you know, these guys could really... It it proves that you could have a superhero show with heroes without abilities. Like, this is just a great team of people that work well together. That they could, in essence, be legends without their powers. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And I I love the fact that that's the way it's been. I mean, don't get me wrong. uh, You know, seeing John Constantine is always fun and you know seeing when we get to see you know ray put on the atom suit and such these are great moments but the show still can exist without them absolutely that's not even a question at all and i think that's the best part about the show still is just the, the characters are the driving force of everything and that's what this episode was so much fun it was it was the legends trapped in an rv trying you know with you know richard nixon Locked in a bathroom <laughs> as they're heading to Disneyland. I mean, it was the best moment of Ray getting pulled over by the cops, <laughs> being afraid to lie, and then the you know the truth roach kind of going into him. And it's just kind of like we we've kidnapped President Nixon, uh, you know, and we're we're driving to Disneyland. Was the best line I've heard in such a long time because the way he just spews it out was just perfect. 
And it's like, yep, I'm, watch, I'm watching Legends of Tomorrow. That line alone was like, I am absolutely watching Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it, it, speaking about the truth, Roach, a little bit too. Uh, well, before I get into that, um, the Nixon story was absolutely nothing more than filler. This, yeah, this episode was. And it was, and you know, and it, the, it was, it was, but it was perfect. And it was a great, beautiful setup for watching the legends kind of spew out all of their problems. And yeah. it worked wonderfully. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at, you know, you, you had to find a way to set up this truth roach to, to basically progress the story forward. And rather than just say, oh, here's a roach that can, that forces you to tell the truth uh, or that feeds on lies. What better person in American history to use as an example of that than Richard Nixon? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it was, it was, it was nothing more than filler, but it was great filler for the episode. Uh, and it led to some fantastic moments, as you mentioned, Ray getting pulled over uh, and having to lie to the cop. But not only that, but the conversation between Ray and, um, Ray and Mick going back and forth, uh, when they're in the back, uh, of the, uh, of the RV, just lying and, and the roach just constantly going back and forth between the two of them was just fantastic. I mean... From... Oh, that the stuff with John, too. It's just kind of like... You know, oh, John, yeah, tie. that's right. Oh, yeah, the loosened tie. I think it's a little much. It's yeah. just kind of the, all those little pieces coming back and forth. But he's just kind of like Ray just looking at him as like, I'm actually a little bit scared of you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> and then, and then as I mentioned, flying into Mick and being like, I always wanted long hair and to look like Fabio. Like, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's just, there's fantastic <laughs> moments like that, and they're never a miss in any episode. There's always at least one. Mick's humor is still always the MVP of the show because it, it, it's it's you have such a grizzled character. And when he gets to have lines like that, you're like, I love you. <laughs> and <laughs> yes. it's just, just, just Dominic. Just he just owns that role so beautifully well. And I love what they've done with Mick's character over the last couple of years of him being the romance writer in the, in the background and all these little pieces have just been so fantastic. And I love the way that this team gels. Uh, they do such a great job of integrating these new characters into the fold. And even just the little humor that came out of this week where they constantly realized they keep leaving Charlie behind was just <laughs> so funny. <laughs> we forgot Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> when it happens <laughs> twice. <laughs> And she's trapped in the White House, which was just wonderful. And they still didn't resolve it by the end of the episode. And that was where the episode practically ended. It's like, oh, my God, we still forgot. Charlie. <laughs> yes. um, but that was just it was wonderfully just executed in such a fun way. Um, and but like I say, at the same time, though, too, it was great watching Sarah kind of see that next evolution of her feeling like she's just kind of a failure. still, even though she's kind of taking on the role and the fact that she still can't deal with the way things are going between her and Ava and all these pieces. But, you know, you're right that we get these beautiful little moments of comedy through the, through all this. But I think one of the other best pieces, you know, like we always talk about one of our favorite things in a lot of the Arrowverse. And we always say Supergirl's always been like the one that does it top. And the scenes between Hank and Nate this week were really, really touching. Yeah. They were really beautifully done like them in the car. But like I said, even when the humor elements of those started up, it was like watching like a Dukes of Hazard, Smokey and the Bandit kind it of thing. It so reminded me of Smokey and the Bandit, totally. And it, and it was great. It was like they they executed those pieces in a really fun way, and the show always plays homage to these things perfectly. And I always love the care that they put into all these things and the way they make you feel about them. But it, at the same time, though, they execute you know showing these other layers of these characters. Uh, and they do it. They always do it amazingly. They always do such a great job with it. So yeah, I mean, and you're right. I mean, and the, the beautiful thing about this too is that the comedy really can come from anywhere 
when we get those moments. I mean, yeah, we we got the the moments of, uh, you know, of the the truth roach going back and forth between John and Ray. Uh, we got it, you know, going into Ray. We got it going into Mick. Uh, you know, we even got the moment from Nate at the end when he talks about like him and Zari and he's like is she my girlfriend no but I'd consider it like it's it's like but I'm open to it yeah but I'm open to it randomly yeah (laughs) yeah um it it kind and honestly and them knocking out Nixon like as a reoccurring gag through the entire episode was just so perfect yeah it was just but just even, shoot him here, shoot him here, just inject him with this. But even, and it's just kind of – oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, but even moments like when uh, when Henry is on the Wave Rider and he's trying to get Gideon's attention and he calls her Alexa. Like it's, it's like Alexa, Siri, ha, whatever, idiot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like moments like that, it just they're so small and minute, but they add so much to the episode. And the fact that they could literally come from anyone or anywhere uh, is one of the things I just absolutely adore about this show. And you know what, though, too, the even better part about it is it always feels natural. Yeah. And that's a hard thing to do. That's a really hard thing to do. Yeah. I I hope that – I mean, I know why they killed Hank, um, and and I know – I understand why they had to do it. They had to drive the story forward, and that's usually always the case when you get, like, one of those big open deaths. And it's, you know, it's not only driving the story forward with, with Nora and Neron, but also with uh, with Nate as well. Uh, it's going to be a major driving force for Nate going forward. But as you mentioned, anything can happen in a show. Constantine, demons, um, and, you know, hell, afterlife. It, anything can happen. And I'm hoping by the end we, we see Henry return. Yeah, I would love to see it too. Um, I think the other final, final uh, bit was, I think, that made me just laugh out loud was <laughs> Sarah and Gary uh, when they're at the time <laughs> and Sarah kind of like, I need you to be our inside spy. And he's like, okay, I'm going to need uh, flashcards. I'm going to need this and I'm going to need push pins. Don't worry. <laughs> I've got plenty of red, uh, red string. He's like, I've been taking up knitting. And Sarah's like, I have two. Maybe we should talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, not only that, but the scene later when he's making the board and, and he's got like all the string, he's got all the yarn on all the thumbtacks. And meanwhile, he's got something he's knit in his arms and he's just like, I think I might have gotten it over my head. Head, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like those moments just can come from Gary too, which is just, God, like I, I would love to, I would love to talk to Adam Seckman because he's just, God, he's fantastic as Gary. Like, that is a character. Yeah, he has probably my favorite comedic timing out of anybody on the show. And that says a lot. Absolutely. He was such a secondary character when he was first debuted. But he has become a character that I've just grown to love in this series. And it's it's fantastic. I love it. Uh, Yeah, and it's just to know that even at Comic-Con this past year that he was the one dressed as Bebo coming on stage and all that (laughs) stuff. You know, like, just the recent promo we see of him in the Flash shoot, all these things, like, he's just such a lovable, lovable (laughs) actor. I just, you can see how much joy this, doing this stuff brings to him. Like, you you absolutely realize and know he's just having a blast and everybody is on the show is just constantly having a blast. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, he's having fun with it and... Uh, I think that's the way it has to be, like with this series. Yeah. So, uh, so looking forward to next week. As I mentioned, we're gonna have Arrow returning uh, and the Flash returning. Uh, but next week on Legends of Tomorrow, season four, episode eleven, Seance and Sensibility. Uh, looks like they're going back to eighteen oh nine, and I think there's supposed to be a visit to hell at some point in the series coming up. 
So not sure when that's going to be or hell or the afterlife is what I've been reading. I think it's supposed to be potentially the afterlife, uh, which opens the door for a few characters to return potentially. Uh, we could very much see maybe a, a quick appearance by somebody like, you know, maybe Martin Stein. Any of any of these characters that we may have lost along the way uh, have a potential to maybe make an appearance. So, yeah, this is true. Uh, this coming week on Arrow, uh, season seven, episode eighteen, Lost Canary, which is the Canary episode, which I'm really, I'm really keeping my fingers crossed is going to be a great episode because it's got some serious potential to be a fantastic episode. I'm hoping. I, I do know that I believe Beth Schwartz came out and said that essentially they always wanted to do a kind of Birds of Prey-esque episode, and this is kind of it. And they said they really wanted to have, do another opportunity to have an all-female episode uh, for the most part. So let's hope they can execute it this time. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm um, keeping my fingers crossed. It's, it's going to be a good one. Yeah, so I, I'm looking forward to seeing how that shakes out. And on The Flash this week, Season 5, Episode 18, Godspeed. So we're going to see in what way, shape, or form uh, they're incorporating Godspeed into this episode. Uh, and I think, I, I don't know how it's going to play out, but I have been seeing images of Barry and Eobard face-to-face. Yeah, yeah. I saw a couple shots of that, too. So I'm curious to see if that's going to play out in this episode or the following. So I'm um, really looking forward to it. I believe we still have a Zack Stentz-written episode of Flash coming out this year. Uh, I just don't know where it falls. So yep, uh, um, but, to, but that that makes me excited. So. I, and I think we're at the point now with these seasons that you know now that these spring breaks are over, uh, we're we should be heading full speed to to end games for all of these seasons. Uh, I think each each show may have one more throwaway episode, which is about normal for this point in time as we we get ready to cross the finish line. Um, so it's. Uh, not far away. It's really not far away. So I would, yeah, I'm right there with you. I don't think we're going to expect to see any, any major deviations from Endgame at this point. Like I said, one episode maybe at most per show. Yeah, uh, I know there's there's one rumor that we we're going to talk about it in a little bit, but I want to bring it up now since we've been talking about these seasons coming back in Endgame, um, and that's there. There is a rumor with season seven with Arrow uh, and the finale, and again. Just speculation, just rumor. It's it's rumor based on picture and an image that floated up online, and it's the fact that um, the monitor is going to appear in the season seven finale of Arrow. Which, uh, yeah, so because little Monica Garrett was in a rap party picture, correct? Yes, he was in a rap party picture with Catherine McNamara, and he was sporting the the monitor mutton chops because at the time of the rap party, they still had not finished shooting. They're still shooting the finale. They had only had the rap party to, you know, to signal the wrap of the season. Um, mm-hmm. I, but I think there had still been an, a couple days left of shooting by the time they had the rap party. Um, it, but apparently from what I've been reading is that LaMonica Garrett only sports those mutton chops when he's sporting the character. Um, so I don't see why he would have them if he wasn't, if there wasn't any legitimacy to this rumor. I, I think there's the highest chance in the world that we're going to definitely see the monitor in the finale because it's going to set up everything for next year. And I think that's the important part is they have to absolutely set up where these final 10 episodes are going to go by the end of this. And, and I think one of the reasons why I wanted to bring this up now, while we were talking about the end game of all these seasons is I think it would almost be smart if not only does arrow do something in the season finale, but I would love to see something tease crisis in every finale of every show. 
kind of like that Earth ninety shot. Yes, maybe, uh, appear in every every end of uh, every season this year. Well, maybe not uh, like maybe not have the same scene at the end of every finale like they did with Elseworlds, but mm-hmm. um, to have every maybe every season have their own kind of teaser to promote like maybe not the monitor be in every episode but arrow has the monitor maybe see you know um uh one of the other characters that we that we're going to see in elseworlds or that we've already seen in elseworlds show up in like what's the the doctor um uh deegan well destiny doctor Doctor, that's it i was thinking dr fate but i know that's not it maybe see like a shot of dr destiny in at the end of the flash or something or maybe i don't know i would love to Actually, see the, the easiest way that they could do and if it again if they just do one shot repeated in all shows or even to just show show each city with the red skies uh, at the end of every every season and i think that's the best thing you they can do and then the legends just come across a massive anomaly that they just don't know what it is and then just leave it just end it right there that would be perfect yeah i think that's the great way is show the red skies over gotham city uh over metropolis over national city you know over star city um you know central city all these things and i think then to show the legends be like what the hell is that uh if it's maybe maybe it's them finding seeing the monitor and that's that would be amazing because or or not the monitor the anti-monitor because that's our big bad we know that's going to be our big bad in that crossover um, and that makes everything so exciting and absolutely, absolutely exciting. Yeah, so. and so I, that's what I, I would love. I, if there's truth to the monitor being an arrow, I, I want to take it a step forward, and I want to uh, – another step forward. I want to see something teasing Crisis in the finale of every show this season. Yeah, and, I'm right there with you. So, And I can tell you right now, that would make me super anticipating September. More than I've ever anticipated these shows coming back, that would make me anticipate these shows coming back. Absolutely. Uh, All right. So, yeah, we've looked forward to the other shows. So before we do DC News, let's spend a couple minutes. Uh, I'm going to give you the spotlight on Justice League versus the Fatal Five since I'm prim- okay. I'm most likely going to be taking it for, for Shazam. Um, but I do have a couple notes for, uh, you know, for Fatal Five. Um, but let's spend a couple minutes on that. Okay, so I'm gonna give a. I'll give this a score at the top of this. Uh, okay, I'm gonna give this a very high hero. I, I think it was not quite what I was hoping for. Um, you know, I, I'm somebody that can tell you I adore, and I mean adore, the Bruce Timm verse. Uh, you know, Superman the animated series, Batman Beyond, obviously Batman the animated series, in, in all of its iterations between the New Adventures of Batman and Robin, the Gotham Knights. Uh, you know, um, piece that's the final season of Batman. And then obviously Justice League, Justice League Unlimited. I think they were done so wonderfully and so beautifully that Burst Him just felt like he could do no wrong. So hearing that this was coming out and we had people like George Newbern coming back to the role of playing Superman, you know, we had, you know, obviously Kevin Conroy back as as, as Batman uh, and then various other cast members coming back. Kevin Michael Richardson again as Mr. Terrific. I am blanking on the Wonder Woman actress, but all these same people coming back into these roles was really wonderful. And I was like, Oh, this is, this is an opportunity for them to kind of do something and, and come back in a big, bad way. You know, we're seeing the exact same animation style. Uh, but this is very much in the vein of Batman, Harley Quinn, where we have that design and that look, but it's not quite 
what you expect. It's closer. It's much, much closer. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, where Batman Harley Quinn really kind of pushed close to uh, a very risque PG-13, this still was PG with a little nod to this could be, if this got t- taken to a, a few more extremes, could have maybe been a PG-13. So it doesn't still have that that feeling. Like I And again, they did some interesting things here. They brought in a couple new characters into the fold we've never seen in this realm which were characters like Jessica Cruz, uh, you know, the Green Lantern from the comic series that's been around for quite a while now. Uh, and she's been around since, memory serves correctly, since uh, New 52. Uh, so like I said, we have Jessica Cruz in the mix. Uh, we also saw Miss Martian kind of entering into trying out for the JLA, which was a really couple great sequences that we got to see her in. And she brought a lot to this as well. But I feel like there was some big notice- noticeable absences that, we've had for such a long time because they were trying to felt like continue uh justice league unlimited that i think really needed to be here you know we heard for the longest time that phil lamar who was a person that we knew played uh you know um uh how not how jordan (laughs) oh my god green lantern john carter john stewart john John stewart Stewart. not john carter um uh, he played john stewart and he was one of the people that are like man we were really trying to get the cast back together to do at least another animated film where we get to continue it. And he was one of the people spearheading it. And he was the person that was not there. It felt so weird to have him and people like, you know, um, Manhunter and Hawkgirl and all Michael Rosenbaum as the Flash. and Right. And yeah. not having them there felt weird. Uh, and it, again, I, the cast that they had selected worked. But I feel like it was this was an opportunity that they really could have executed and had an opportunity to bring these characters back have Bruce really a lot more involved and be able to kind of continue it because they even used musical cues from all of those old shows. You heard the justice league unlimited and justice league, um, theme theme song. You heard Superman's, uh, Superman, the uh, animated series theme. You heard Batman's, all these pieces were there, but it kind of felt like it was a little bit more pandering versus celebrating. And that I think was the big problem I saw across this story. Well, the storyline itself, I think actually executed really well. Like I said, we, we were watching Jessica Cruz going through like survivor's guilt, trying to come to terms on being a lantern. And I think that story executed in a really great way. And I, I, I really enjoyed watching that and watching her kind of unleash by the end of this and kind of hitting her full power. Um, and I think that, that worked 100%. And I think the way that they did this and executed was was great. And I think what they also did with the stuff with, where we saw the Legion um, also played out in a really great way. But it was really focusing purely on Starboy, which is a character I wasn't as familiar with. Never, unfortunately, read a lot of Legion stories you know, growing up. So these characters, this was kind of a more fresh introduction zone. But I really liked uh, Starboy. And I really want to check him out in the comics now based off of what we saw here, which was him trying to stop the Fatal Five from coming back to basically – wiping out um you know <laughs> the the world trying to just de- destroying oa gaining the power uh, the power battery strength and ultimately you know rescuing two of their members that have been locked away on the oa you know the oa cells purely to wipe out the sun and it was it was a really kind of traditional comic booky story that worked well but having starboy being this character that's the only one that knows what's coming have mental problems and not be able to kind of function and focus was really an interesting way of handling it uh, because it didn't play for Huber. It, it played like you were really watching trauma 
play out for a character where he was broken. It was trying to keep his mind together. Uh, and that worked really great with Jessica's story. So we're watching these two people kind of overcome major mental issues uh, to be able to kind of function. And obviously, you know, it ends with a massive sacrifice for Starboy, you know, saving the world and dying a hero. And, you know, when we get the opportunity to see a couple, you know, memory sequences where we see the Legion and the way that they functioned, it made me want to watch a Legion of Superheroes animated feature in full and watching these characters really get fleshed out. But I think they did a really good job here. I think the villains played out well. The Fatal Five were a couple of the characters I recognize. Uh, but I think they did a decent job here. And I think, again, while they they had a lot of fun telling a great story, I think this is something that did not need to feel like it had the Bruce Tim verse kind of feel across it because it felt like it kind of it was doing it, as I mentioned, it pandering for pandering's sake where this could have been in a traditional vein of what we've seen so far in the New 52 animated verse that we have that's been continuing for some time. And I think that almost would have worked just as equally as well. So Yeah. I mean, and, and I do, I feel a lot of the same points that you had too. I did have a lot of fun. There was some stuff that I felt was missing a little bit. I, with the exception of the, the Justice League that we got, um, you know, with Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, I and Miss Martian, I really was unfamiliar with most of this. I, I didn't know who the Fatal Five were. Uh, I, I was I knew very little about Jessica Cruz, Jessica Cruz as one of the Green Lantern Corps. Um, you know, it, I did. There were a couple characters from the Legion that I recognized. I saw Monel in there, um, but I, again, my majority of this story I was completely unfamiliar with. But I did enjoy what I did get to see. I was also. Um, you know, I'm one of those people that pays attention to voice cast and stuff like that. So obviously, uh, hearing uh, George Newbern return to Superman was was a lot of fun for me. Kevin Conroy as Batman, uh, Diane Guerrero as Jessica yep. Cruz was great. Yep. Which, uh, for those of you that are not familiar, <laughs> Diane Guerrero also plays Crazy Jane on Doom Patrol. Yes. I think she was, and she was massively the standout here. She she did a beautiful, beautiful job bringing that character to life. Yeah. Uh, but also for me. Um, one of the fun points for me was I, uh, the vo I actually recognized the voice of Starboy, uh, and that's uh, Elias Gable who played um, in Scorpion, which Scorpion was one of my favorite shows when it was still on the air. So hearing him get to come back and actually play, uh, he was Walter on Scorpion, so getting to hear him portray this role, I, it brought a familiarity to the... Oh God. Uh, it, it brought that to the role that helped me connect to the role a little bit easier because I recognized the voice that was coming from that character. Yeah. He did a fantastic job too. Like you really bought what was going on for his character through the entire, the entire piece. And I think that was, that was fantastic. And I really was very blown away with his performance. Again, I think the fatal five characters as a whole, um, were okay. Uh, I, I think, you know, the, none of them felt very standout ish. Um, they kind of felt very much just kind of like, hey, it's a whole bunch of bruisers. Would have loved to have seen a little bit more depth there. But I think in the grand scheme of things, for a 71-minute film, <laughs> uh, it was it was solid. But, you know, the, the downside is when you even have a, a, a animated feature, even as short as that is, an hour and 11 minutes, I will say pacing felt a little rough. Uh, it felt longer than 71 minutes. And that's not always a good thing. Especially when you're excited about something, I don't know if you ran into that too, but it felt like it dragged a bit. No, I do. I do agree with that. It was, um, 
there were times where I looked at the I looked at the clock towards the end and I was like, wow, this is still going. Um, and it's only been an hour. So, yeah, I, I do. I understand exactly where you're coming from with that. So but again, I think um, still well worthy of like a seven, seven, five right around there. Yeah. And again, there's enough to make you smile if you're a fan of the, of the Timverse, um, you know, that this will make your ears perk up. Uh, but, you know. Let's let's be straight. This is straight up a, a Jessica Cruz story, and I think that's a fantastic thing. She's a character I think that really deserves a lot of attention uh, because she's been such an interesting Green Lantern. But a couple of really wonderful nods, obviously, in this one. Uh, and when we're in the dream sequence and we get to see all the statues of all of the heroes of the previous Justice League, uh, we do get to a point where we do see uh, basically the Green Lanterns that apparently have so-called disappeared in the Legion timeline. Uh, but we get to see a statue of Guy Gardner, which made me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? With a lot of these films continuing on that, that seem to be making a continuous universe, I wonder if that could be something potentially they're going to explore in a future film. Well, like I said, since we know this is not part of that um, realm because of the animation style, and this is supposed to be closer to a tie to the Timverse. Uh, if they continue that way, I think there's a high possibility maybe we will get an opportunity to see that yet again. So uh, I'm hoping that they have an opportunity to kind of play in this this realm a little bit. And Sam Register, the executive producer, kind of says, "Hey, you know what? This was a lot of fun. Let's do another one and kind of continue their story a little bit on the side as we have this other universe happening." So it's a big wait and see, but I would love to see it. I would absolutely love to see it. Uh, but more than anything, this made me just want to go back and watch Justice League and Justice League. Yeah, from I, start to finish again. I felt the same way. And it made yeah. me not go back and start and make it. It didn't make me want to go back and watch it. It makes me want to start to watch it because I have. Yeah. It yeah. I, I will say to this day, I, you know, uh, that is the culmination of everything created in Batman, the animated series. And done in such a beautiful beautiful way and for four seasons five seasons whatever, i forget how it breaks down i think it's five um it's it's i think to this day next to batman the animated series easily my number two of all time of animated shows that have ever existed uh, so. the only the only other thing i will say about this was that i was very unfamiliar with mr terrific until arrow uh, and after seeing mr terrific in this uh man arrow underutilized that character Oh yeah, no, he's he's a brilliant, brilliant genius in the DC universe, and Curtis was played very, very differently. <laughs> so. Yeah, the the things that Mister Terrific could do in this animated now, granted, it's an animated movie, so you could go well above and beyond. But I'm sure, like they didn't over the movie wouldn't over exaggerate the character. The movie would that you know would bring to the front what the character could actually do. Whereas, oh no, they play, they they played him straight. They they played him like right off the pages of the comics. Yeah, which makes me again reiterate that Arrow totally underutilizes that character. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, to each their own. You can only do Indeed. so much on live action television. Indeed. Um, uh, but yeah, give it a, give it a shot. Uh, like I said, I believe it comes out this coming week, and I believe we have another animated feature that should be with us any any day now. Uh, if you know, I'm waiting to see which is uh, Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. God, I can't wait. I think it's uh, um, I think it got. I want to say it got pushed back. Um, I'm checking into it now. Um, I think it might be in May at this point. Um. Let's see. Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles release date is yeah, it's um, May fourteenth 
for digital. Okay. So it did get pushed back about a month, uh, which is fine. Uh, you, I guess you don't really want to release these two close together. Uh, yeah, you know, you yeah, want to give one a little animation. Yeah, yeah, you want to give one a little bit of time to kind of soak in its audience, and then you release something else. Uh, so yeah, we still got a couple more weeks before uh, Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but that's one that I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to as well. All right, well, how about you give us your review of Shazam? Well, my review of Shazam will not be nearly as detailed as your review of Justice League versus the Fatal <laughs> Five. Uh, but I did, I went, I saw Shazam on opening night, and I saw it, uh, I actually went to go see it again. Just because anytime I really like a film, I want to go and see it a second time, just one, to support the film, but two, I want to make sure everything I loved about the film wasn't just initial fanfare. Like, I want to actually watch it again knowing everything and be able to if i enjoy it as much the second time or if not more the second time then it's a movie that i know is actually a really good movie and one of the reasons why i wanted to go see it a second time was because a lot of the reviews that i saw put it at the top of the the dceu like they put it above wonder woman and they put it above aquaman and i'm I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, well, I loved Aquaman. I loved Wonder Woman. So that's some high praise from a movie. I think I need to see it again to be sure. Uh, I went into it initially. At not, I took your advice. I went into it initially not, not to let's see how good this DC movie is. I went into it thinking, let's see how good this movie is. Let's see you know, how good this this superhero movie is. And while there are connections to the DC universe, obviously mentions of Batman and Superman, uh, Aquaman, and a couple other characters, you really could do that very easily with this movie because they they do not throw into the mix how tie, they don't necessarily tie it into the DC universe. There are certainly a couple references, but there's nothing that directly ties it into the DC universe, which or to the DCEU, which made it really easy to go into it just enjoying the movie. Uh, that being said, I agree wholeheartedly, this is the best movie of the DCEU. Um, really? Even over, even over Wonder Woman? Yes. Uh, Wonder Woman definitely had its moments, uh, and it was great for, for what it was at the time. But when it comes to... And one of the things I didn't realize what, going into it the first time is this movie's PG-13. Uh, and for very good reason. We talked a little bit about this with, with Brian Glein last week in that you have a director who's known for horror uh, and that plays out in this movie. I mean, you we talked about the, you know, the seven deadly sins and uh, I've seen a number of people say, do not take your kids to see this movie if they're probably like 10 and, 10 and under, which it, it could kind of hurt the film because it's meant to be a family type movie, uh, but it could give those kids nightmares. I'm not going to lie about it. Like, they are... The, the Seven Deadly Sins are legitimately meant to be scary characters in this film. But it the film plays out so well of taking, like, what would happen if a... And we, we've heard it being compared to, like, a superhero big, which absolutely is the truth about this movie. You take, you know, you take the movie big and you take a character who's suddenly an adult... How is he going to handle all these new things he's now able to do? You take that situation, but also give him superpowers, mm -hmm. and you just add another element to that. Like, you now have a kid who is now an adult who is able to buy alcohol when he was never able to do it before, but can also stop bullets. Like, 
take that situation and that's what this movie does is it takes that situation and it just has so much fun with it uh it's it's really a a lot of fun dealing with that but also finding a character who's coming into his own of he is a reluctant hero like he doesn't he loves the attention but he doesn't want the responsibility and mm -hmm. seeing this character grow and and almost mature uh, by the end of this movie was just fantastic. Uh, and, and I've said this before, when, when when Zach Levi was cast, I was already in love with the casting. After seeing this movie twice, the casting is perfect. I cannot really? see anybody else playing this role other than Zach. That's fantastic. Because he has that, if you've ever seen anything that he's done, whether it be Chuck or Thor or anything like that, or you've seen interviews from like Nerd HQ and things like that, he is an adult with a childlike mentality. Uh, and that's not a detriment to him at all. Like, that's just his character. He likes to have fun with things. So you take somebody with his look, but also that personality, and you put him into this role, it fits perfectly. And like I, that was one of the things I, I cannot see anybody else playing that role. Other than that's Zach. awesome. That's really Zach. awesome. But not you know, but not just him, but the rest of the cast was just fantastic. Um, you know, Mark Strong as Doctor Savannah was was great. They really built that character up to to a believable villain. Um, uh, Jack Dylan Glazer as Freddie Freeman. Freddie was a great like sidekick who kind of you know was an influence into him, but. They also take that big mentality and they put it into a modern day aspect. Like if you were a kid who suddenly got superpowers, what would you probably do as you're learning your as your abilities? You're going to YouTube it. You're going to videotape it. And you're going to YouTube it because that's another way of getting attention. And that that was just it was a lot of fun seeing all that. It was a lot of fun seeing the family involved because I was familiar with the family, but I I wasn't too familiar with them. Like, I didn't know they eventually adapt the powers of Shazam as well. Uh, to a degree. Um, they don't share the same abilities. I think they each have one of his abilities. He's the only one that has all. And each of them has takes one of the other abilities. That's and, fantastic. You know, so one of the family can fly. One of the family super strength. One of the family has speed. So it's it's a lot of fun. But seeing that moment come to play... And come to life in the film gave me chills, like of of happy chills. Like it was so cool to see that happen, uh, even the second time. And they play with some great moments uh, from the DCEU, you know, the the surprise cameo. And again, this is spoilerful, so if you haven't seen it yet, I apologize. Uh, but seeing the the way they cameoed Superman show up, the way they poked a little fun with Aquaman uh, in the post credit scene, and I gotta say, the one thing I was familiar with about Shazam came to play in this in a post-credit scene, mid-credit scene, did not think I would see it, and it happened, but seeing a cool nod to Mr. Mind in a mid-credit scene was amazing. Like, it was, it played out so well, uh, because you actually see him in the beginning of the movie, uh, and then see him come to fruition again as Mr. Mind by the end was just amazing. Which is just fantastic, the fact that they put a character like Mr. Mind, like such a deep cut yeah. into something like this. And it's just it's just awesome. He's a caterpillar. I mean that's yeah. he's a caterpillar with superhuman intelligence. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, to see, and he's got the the bo- the voice box on his stomach, you know, so that he can speak. And it's just, it was so well done. There are absolutely nods in the film to set it up for the future of the franchise, which I know they've already approved the sequel. I think a sequel is already in the works to be written. Um, and the main reason why they are going so quickly with a sequel is because they don't want to have to change out any of the cast. Um, so while these kids are still of the appropriate age to play these parts, they want to be able to utilize that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they want them to still be kids because the, these kids are going to continue to grow as they're writing this next one. Uh, and we also, you know, I know you're going to talk about this in the DC News in a couple minutes, but um, we know that Black Adam is coming relatively soon as yeah. well. I wasn't even familiar with the fact that Dwayne Johnson was a producer on Shazam. Mm-hmm. Until uh, I saw that video of him on Twitter, you know, thanking the audience for the success of Shazam. But uh, I got to say, it's I agree with a lot of the reviews that this is, um, you know, this is the best of the DCEU. Uh, it's, it's a short margin because, you know, Aquaman and Wonder Woman are definitely still up there. Shazam takes top role for me. Um it, it's a movie I highly recommend to everybody. Be careful taking younger kids, uh, but it's it's a ton of fun. It's and it's a breath of lightheartedness, and that I think is very welcome in the superhero movie community, whether it's Marvel or DC. But is extremely welcome in the DCEU. That's fantastic. I I honestly think I said I, I really can't wait to see it, and I really do hope I get an opportunity to see it before it's out of the theaters. I think I'm going to really try to go see it right after I get back from my trip. So. Nice. Yeah, so Shazam, again, a lot of fun, but let's move forward, and let's talk about what's good in the world of DC. Ah, I've got three news stories. So, <laughs> <laughs> so much to talk about. Yeah, there's there's very really very very little. Uh, so first one, I'm just gonna get out of the way because again, purely a rumor at this point in time. Uh, right now, it sounds like there is a, a massive rumor going around that uh, Tom Welling has been uh, is is confirmed that he'll be in the next season of Arrow. Uh, but again, <laughs> purely a rumor. Yeah, uh, I mean... we have no idea what the extent of his role or who he's playing any of those pieces. Uh, it's just a uh, you know, no one really is aware of, of what it is. But right now, the image that was was available that had this shot uh, has been taken offline. So no one knows if this is true. What's going on with this at all? It's it's just uh, it, it's it's out there, and it's possible this very well could be the case that we could see him make an appearance in some way, shape, and form. We could see a Superman in Crisis next year. Who knows? It is it is completely up in the air. But and I and I've seen a couple listeners post on our page too that you know it was said as a joke. Uh, you know he jokingly said I thought Arrow was already canceled, and I mean that's very well could be the case. I, I we've been seeing both. I've seen a number of news reports say that you know that's not the case, and he wasn't joking. He was saying he is going to be an Arrow, and then other people say you know that it has been. Um, I, I don't know. It, it's. You know, uh, it's it's a matter of wait and see at this point. Yeah, yeah. I would I really love to. I would love to see it. But. Yeah, I would too. I mean, I think it would be great. But you know, it's a big, it's a huge wait and see. And I mean, I think right now too. I, I think whatever he may play, um, or if he's involved in it at all, I think if he hasn't involved it, cool, awesome. But if not, I, I'm pretty damn sure we're going to see Tyler come back as Superman in in that crossover. Uh, I don't think there's a question about that in my mind. Yeah, so. agreed. 
Um, okay, uh, so aside from that, um, there has been some casting for Titan Season 2, and it is some fantastic casting. <laughs> so Ian, uh, Ian Glenn, uh, most well-known to most people, and we'll see him probably make a return to TV tonight yeah, on Game of Thrones. <laughs> Good old Sir Jorah Mormont has been cast as none other than Bruce Wayne, a.k.a. obviously Batman. Uh, in, in Titans, so I think this is really kind of awesome casting. I do too. I I, I um, really like this, especially with having a, a a Dick Grayson who's definitely probably close to very late twenties, maybe even early thirties. Um, so we have a very aged up Batman, which works in this universe. It really, really works in this universe to see this kind of grizzled, almost Dark Knight Returns version of the character. I think it's kind of a smart move. I think it's a really, really brilliant move. And I'm really excited to see what he's going to do. I'm sure we're only going to get little bits and pieces of him. They'll use him sparingly. But um, how exciting is this that we know Batman really is going to be a part of this? It's not just going to be relegated to sticking in the shadows. Well, but here's the thing, though. The casting I've heard about this is strictly as Bruce Wayne. I don't know if we're going to see him suit up. I mean, it's even if if it's just as Bruce Wayne, I think this at least still again, it's no longer just Bruce in the shadows throughout. Yeah, you know, flashbacks, things like that, whatever it may be. I'm just excited to see what they can have an opportunity to do with his character, uh, with an amazing actor behind him. So I'm I'm incredibly excited. He's always honestly been such a favorite of mine on Game of Thrones. Obviously, you know, for those of you that followed films like the Resident Evil franchise, he was he's been a big part of that for a long, long time. Uh, so I'm very excited to see where he's going to go. Yeah, agreed. Agreed completely. Yeah. Uh, and then the last story, as you already even mentioned as well, um, you know, uh, Dwayne Johnson basically stated that uh, Black Adam is going to probably most likely start shooting in roughly about a year. Um, like I said, they're they're trying to turn around. He's just finishing up a couple projects he's got uh, work on right now. And then they're going to try to go into this full force, obviously, with Shazam blowing up the way that it has. Uh, it makes the most sense for them to capitalize on this as quickly as they can. As you mentioned, uh, there I think there's already a writer in play for uh, a, a follow-up to Shazam. And uh, as you mentioned, just to make sure that the same kids can come back to return to these roles. But I think uh, Warner Brothers knows that they have a hit on their hands, and, and they're going to try to move forward with this in the best way and uh, with the best foot forward. So Yeah. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But that's that. honestly, that is it. Like I said, it is a quiet ass week. So. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, not a lot of news. And I know uh, one of the other stories I think you posted on the Facebook page was that you know I think Stephen Amell let out like an ugly cry with uh, when it came to Emily leaving at the rap party. And I think the rumor is that it's not going to be a happy ending for that character, which I we know she's not going to be killed off. Uh, because we see her in the flash forwards. Uh, but I think it's just a matter of probably the reasoning. I, I think we're probably going to see a split up between the two of them. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I think that's probably things can't, think, things can't go well for Ollie. That's just the that's what they could just name, rename the show as. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's just called uh, the, the, it's no longer Arrow. Ollie's bad day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> season 10 uh, or season eight of Arrow. Uh, Green Arrow's no good. Very bad day. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, with that so now that DC news is over, uh before we give our recommendations, there's one other thing that hit the the interwebs this uh this week. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, that, that, on Friday. So Star Wars celebration was in Chicago this week. Uh-huh. Uh my buddy Ryan was actually out there because my buddy Ryan actually does a amazing uh older Luke cosplay. 
uh, which Rob, if you have not seen pictures of it, if I haven't sent you pictures of it yet, I, I have to. I believe I have. Like yeah. he has gotten mistaken for uh, Mark Hamill before, which is like an, a huge compliment. Um, but yeah, so he was out there and I got to see a lot of pictures from Star Wars Celebration. But the biggest thing that came out of Star Wars Celebration this week is, and a lot of people had a feeling it was going to, we finally got a teaser and a name for episode nine of Star Wars, that being The Rise of Skywalker. Which was a beautiful name, uh, going with also that whole R starting title for the final part of the trilogy. Revenge of the Jedi, or sorry, or Revenge, Revenge of the, the Sith. Sith. Return of the Jedi, Rise of the Skywalker. So, yes. Uh, I really, I think it's perfect. I actually um, was lucky enough to watch the live stream uh, because it happened to be exactly on my lunch break. On oh, there Friday. you go. So I, I watched, I sat in my car uh, and just watched on my phone and watched the whole thing and the Q&A. And there was a, the Q&A was fantastic. You know, Stephen Colbert hosted the Q&A. If you haven't had an opportunity to check it out. Uh, highly recommended. It. It'll actually be my recommendation for the week is just go over to StarWars.com or to the Star Wars YouTube page. Just watch the full hour. Um, it was really wonderfully done. There's some great reaction shots, too. But I think what made me smile the most was during that Q&A, um, you know, they go through with uh, a good chunk of the cast. So we have, I believe it's Anthony Daniels, obviously C-3PO. Billy D. Williams is there. Uh, and then in addition to that as well, we have uh, Naomi Aki, who is uh, a new cast member joining into the mix. Uh, we had Jonas, who has been our new uh, Chewie for uh, the last four Star Wars films, including Solo. And uh, we also had, Ad uh, not Adam Driver, I'm sorry, uh, Oscar Isaacs, John Boyega, um, Daisy Ridley, and Kelly Marie Tran. Um, so it was a really great mix of people there. But one of the great, uh, best parts is when Steven got to Kelly Marie Tran, the audience exploded for her. That's she amazing. Got a, standing, a standing ovation. The entire cast and everybody was just they, they just got the audience so pumped. The audience was so behind her, and it was so great because of everything she went through since Episode Eight, uh, with some very horribly toxic people in the fandom community just really trying to tear her apart. Um, and she suffered through so much with that at the hands of that. And, ended up leaving all the social media because of it. And it was really great to see her uh, celebrated uh, during during this panel. And it was really awesome to see. And even JJ said the best thing that Ryan Johnson did was casting her. Uh, was 100% was just fantastic. And it was great because, again, she, she was – you could see how important that moment was to her. And it was, I think, really such a beautiful highlight. The second highlight, obviously, <laughs> was that trailer. Um, but very especially – if you're a Star Wars fan, I'm sure you've watched it a thousand and one times, and we could spend an hour and a half picking that trailer apart. Uh, but the end of the trailer, uh, <laughs> the, enti the entire cast is off the stage, and a man in all black <laughs> with his stark white hair and his beard and his glasses walks out on stage. And at first you're looking at him and you're like, is that who I think that is? And I'm like, yes, it is. And Ian McDermott is standing there on stage. The audience is exploding. The lights go red. And you just hear him in the Palpatine voice to say, roll it again. Uh, and they just run the trailer one more time. But it was such an awesome, awesome moment. But I it was, I think, oh, man, I, I, I won't shut up if I don't shut up. <laughs> so, I, I, well, dude, seriously, by all means, just dive in. No, it's, it's fine. And I had no idea because uh, 
from what I've had speculation with friends after that trailer, because I've watched that trailer like 10 times already. Um, and I had a friend of mine actually like IM me after the trailer. And she's like, who do you think that laugh is at the end? I'm like, oh, my God, it's Palpatine. Like, there's there's no question in my mind. It's Palpatine. And she's like, oh, because I was thinking it could have been Snoke. I'm like, no, that's Palpatine. Like, I know that laugh. So knowing that I had no idea that Ian McDiarmid had actually come out on stage uh, I, I heard the roll it again quote, but I didn't know who had said it. Uh, so knowing that Ian McDermott had come out, that confirms that's Palpatine. At the oh, end. I mean, I, mean I, I think any hardcore Star Wars fans were like, that wasn't even a question. Yeah. <laughs> that laugh was boom. Um, well, that's how I, know, that's like, how I said I was too. Like I told okay. her, I told her flat out. I'm like, no, I, I have no question. There's no doubt in my mind that was Palpatine. Yeah. Uh, but what was cool is Kathleen Kennedy actually came out and said, this was always the plan. Uh, that Palpatine was coming back for the very final film. They said that it's been in the works pretty much since the beginning. So the fact that this was set in stone, uh, and I'm sure Snoke's role changed a bit because of Ryan Johnson. But uh, you know what? I think this ties really beautifully if you're uh, really deep into Star Wars lore and and knowledge, especially since the reboots of the book series. Uh, there's a book that's really important, which is Darth Plague, the Darth Plagueis book, um, that's going to tie really closely into, I think, how this story plays out in a big, bad way. Uh, and I'm really excited to see if they execute a few pieces from that book, and they, that tie is exactly what I think it was, and who Snoke really, really was. And it was just a clone of uh, Sidious gone wrong, and I think that's a high chance. So I'm curious to see if that's the case. But what made me smile the most was not just that. <laughs> I think I know where you're going. Was obviously seeing the wreckage of the second Death Star, uh, which was fantastic for a real big key reason. Um, I actually, if you haven't ever read these or checked these out, they're amazing books, and I highly recommend picking them up. I really still need to pick up The Last Jedi one, but the art books for The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi um, are those gorgeous pieces where you get to see a lot of concept art. And there is a couple pages of concept art for The Force Awakens, which the original storyline for The Force Awakens was going to revolve around them actually having to go to the wreckage of the second Death Star because that's where the second half of the map to find Luke was. Um, And that was going to be a key piece of that film. So the fact that J.J.'s idea with Lawrence Kasdan from that film is getting carried into this one makes that all the more exciting uh, and knowing that that's going to factor in really, really heavily. So I'm really pumped to see if some of the other concepts and I don't want to bring them up here because um, I could go on for way too many hours. And if you don't know it, because it's something that's so potentially spoiler heavy, um, if they if something that was tied to that idea does indeed happen, I think people are going to lose their minds. Yeah, I'm not familiar with a lot of that. So it's it's. Um... Because you know, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting for me to, to watch and and find out. Because some other characters could potentially return. I'll Ooh. put it that way. Uh, see, I thought when you said, like, one other thing that made you smile about the trailer, I thought you were going to go into the fact that we see Lando Calrissian in the trailer. Oh, I mean, like I said, Which... I've, we've known Billy Dee's been in the works for a while, and I already think there was the best meme that came out of Friday. <laughs> take, <laughs> this, long. take my ship. I'll get my... I was, I was like, I was like, I'm, I'm getting... I'm going to get my ship back, and then it's the shot oh, of Hansen's over my dead body, and then it's the shot of Lando from the new trailer. Yep. And I'm like, oh, and everybody's like, oh, too soon. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fantastic, and I love it. I mean, and you know what? Like, I know there was a lot of over-criticisms of, um, you know, Last Jedi, 
uh, and you know force awakens and and such but man i with the exception of rogue one i have been such a fan of every one of these new star star wars films uh, I loved, you know, Force Awakens. I love Last Jedi. I I was a big fan of Solo. Like I've been itching ever since I saw the trailer for uh, Episode Nine. I've been actually itching to go back and rewatch Solo because I haven't done it since we saw it in theaters. Oh, I just recently redid it, man. Oh, so, so much fun. It is. It's a fun movie. So like I know there's over criticisms out there, but I don't care. Like I love these movies. I grew up on these movies, and the fact that we're still now I know they have said that they're they're going on hiatus after this one. Like, there's yeah, not... they said there's going to be there's going to be a couple year hiatus, and I believe the Banoff and Weiss um, trilogy will be the next in line um, after that. And that's obviously the showrunners and writers for Game of Thrones. But I think um, as far as like the trilogy that we know or the the series that we know and grown up with ends it's done. It's, it's, it it's ends over. with this film. Yep. Yes. Yeah. This is this is the end. I mean, it's not. It's very possible that these characters could live on in another trilogy a little bit down the road. Um, but the Skywalker story is, it comes to a head and ends here. Um, that does not mean obviously characters like Finn, Ray and, you know, um, and, and Poe's story ends here at all. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be a thousand and one books and comics written uh, that continue to explore these characters. And again, it's very possible we, we have not seen the end of those actors portraying these characters in some way, shape, or form. But, you know, as far as, yes, as, as far as the story we've been following since... Uh, a new Our home, whole lives. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, the last 40 years, this it, it comes to an end here. And even J.J. said one of the greatest things he had to do and the biggest challenges of his life was making a standalone movie that plays amazingly and wonderfully and it's enjoyable to somebody that's never seen it uh and but also to end a trilogy and then to end a, a, nine, a, saga. Movie, a, a nine movie series was the biggest challenge and he said more than anything else he's ever done in his life he said he feels like he actually nailed all of those requests and he said he is so incredibly excited i have and total you could, you could tell that he really believes it because he wouldn't have taken this job if he didn't think he could do it. Yeah, and after Force Awakens, like I have total faith in JJ when it comes to comes to these films. I was excited when JJ was was signed back on for episode nine. Yeah, and you know what? Like I said, I really loved what Ryan did too. I really thought he 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 allowed that world to go beyond what we believe it can be. And I think that's been the most important part of Star Wars is it has to come into the modern era and absolutely has to. And I think JJ started that idea. Ryan really embraced it. And we're going to see, I think something very special. I, um, I agree with that. Yeah. I, I mean, again, I'm, I, 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 we, we actually oddly enough had our star Wars, uh, tabletop game Friday night. And so it was, uh, you know, if you listen to caffeine crew, fish and Jada, so, you know, Mike and Jada, uh, you know, myself, uh, Kat, uh, Paul Fesh, and uh, a friend of ours uh, whose name is uh, Pete, Pete Woodworth, who has written many, many – he's for, I think, the last 20 years has written for numerous, um, you know, tabletop companies and books. He's written in the Star Wars universe. Um, you know, he's just a, a truly wonderful person. We're all just massive, massive fans of Star Wars, and we all watched that trailer uh, probably four or five times before we kicked off and played our own game. And it was it was such a celebration of Star Wars for just us, just not only because of those things, but the air in the atmosphere of us that night because of things like that were so high. And we've been riding that high ever since. And 
I'm counting the moments down. I got to get a new little chalkboard for my kitchen because I will be starting my countdown to episode <laughs> nine. Um, to any any of my friends that have uh, that listened to the show or to those of you that know me, you may have seen on my Facebook page. I, I used to do that for you know episode seven, episode eight, where it was a daily one by one countdown when, in chalk when the film was coming. So, uh, but if you're a big fan of Star Wars, though, um, uh, it, a good reminder for everybody. I think October fourth is uh, Triple Force Friday. And that needs a little explanation. So that is the day the merchandise will come out for The Rise of the Skywalker. But in addition to that, uh, the reason it's called Triple Force Friday is also because the merchandising for The Mandalorian will be coming out that day. Uh, and also for Jedi Fallen Order, uh, the brand new video game that was announced yesterday being the 13th uh, by Respawn Entertainment, the guys that made Apex Legends, for those of you who like... Um, online uh, shooters and in addition to that uh, there are the people responsible for creating Titanfall we do know it is a single player game it has no microtransactions and it is starring the Joker <laughs> Cameron, <laughs> Cameron Monaghan. Monaghan Yep, Cameron Monaghan is playing our lead character in that uh, and it's following the second sister so if you've watched Star Wars Rebels uh, um, we know Sarah Michelle Gellar was the seventh sister so she's one of the Inquisitors is the big bad so looks really really fantastic I'm incredibly excited and that comes out in November but uh, most likely October 4th is going to be the day that tickets go on sale. So uh, be if you're waiting and ready. Yeah, be ready. Ex- expect that to be uh, the day. And, that, uh, and let's go. And, yeah. And let's just hope uh, outlets like Fandango and AMC learn their lesson from Avengers Endgame they uh, and get their shit together so people can actually buy tickets the day it goes on sale. They won't. <laughs> because Endgame was a mess. Um, I was extremely lucky to have gotten the tickets that I got for Endgame, and uh, I almost didn't. I was really mad. So I know, uh, you know, it's 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 going to be um, it's going to be a fun day when those tickets go on sale. Oh crap! <laughs> I just realized the worst thing in the universe. No, if you better be, are you not going to be home? No, I'm gonna be in. I'm gonna be at a sales conference in Louisiana <laughs> oh, that day. All right. Well, somebody else is probably gonna have to step up. So maybe yeah. I'll maybe I'll be the one to step up and uh, get yeah, the tickets think, taken think, care I of. You, I think you and Fish are gonna be the ones responsible this time around. All <laughs> so, right. <laughs> I might have to step into the responsibility role. Yep. And God, <laughs> let me tell you how hard that was the last time. <laughs> that was a that was a challenge and a half getting in for those. So yeah, Mike and I are gonna have to uh, coordinate ahead of time. We got. Uh, we have plenty of time to do it, but yeah, that's that's gonna be fun. <laughs> yep. yep, yep. <sighs> oh, cool, 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 cool. Yeah. All right. Now that we got our Star Wars geek them out of the way, uh, you know what? I'm just gonna share your recommendation this week as well. Uh, Let's watch for... the trailer six thousand times. So you're yeah, done. watch the trailer a bunch. Go back and watch the clips of uh, of Ian McDermott coming out, and you know, same role again. Watch the panel, and Stephen Colbert is such a fantastic moderator. When it comes to those things, because he is such a fan. Yeah, oh God, I, he, well, he he gets to tell his little story about the fact that he's been a Star Wars fan three three weeks before everybody else because of the radio contest he won as a kid, and he got to go see Star Wars three weeks before it ever came out <laughs> yeah, with a couple I, of his friends. It, it's it's so I, I love his fandom. Like when it comes to Star Wars and Lord of the Rings, especially, like he knows his shit. Oh, yeah. um, and that's why he is such a fantastic moderator. So when I heard he was moderating that panel, I was already excited to watch it. I just I need to go back and watch it myself. Uh, yeah, and another little video you guys can watch if you need to get into the the Star Wars feelings. 
Um, there is a great video you can check out on YouTube if you search Star Wars Always, uh, which is, I think, about a two-minute long video. Uh, and it is cut together by none other than Topher Grace, uh, the actor. Um, <laughs> and just check it out because it is a beautiful love letter to all things Star Wars, leading up to everything, including Solo. Um, and it is cut together absolutely gorgeously. Um, it, to those of you who are aware, uh, Topher Grace is the person known for having the greatest fan edit ever of episodes one, two, and three that no one has uh, because it is no longer online. Uh, it was online for uh, about a second and a half, and then it never went back up, and it is impossible to find. Um, but he, everybody says, is one of the best editors in the world, and it made something truly beautiful with that. So the fact that he went back to Star Wars because he's such an uber fan as well. Uh, just watch that little video and then uh, do yourself a favor and then follow that up immediately with watching uh, the Rise of the Skywalker trailer. So Nice. Uh, do we know? Oh, oh yeah. And it's all 10 Star Wars movies into one incredible trailer. All right. Yeah. It is stunning. Uh, what is his edit of the movies called? Do you remember? I do not know. But it, like I said, you will not find it. Uh, I can tell you that now. Okay. All right. Uh, I have spent months looking for that and i've been on every forum down to every fan edit forum you can imagine and everybody's like it just it's not out there it's just not out there uh because he had such a concern as an actor for releasing um licensed material and he was very afraid of putting it back up so it got he pulled it down quickly because he was concerned that he was going to get a cease and desist or um Get into some serious trouble in the industry. So he decided to make sure it was not available anywhere. All right. Makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So uh, it would be interesting to see that uh, come to play, though, if it ever did come up at some point. Well, there is some amazing fan edits out there. Uh, I've got a couple really fantastic ones that I really need to start getting back to um, and start beefing up because I can tell you we will definitely be doing a special Star Wars Day in December <sighs> where we will probably watch not probably the movies as a whole. But we'll probably watch some interesting cut edits because I have a 45-minute version of uh, Rogue One, which is truly phenomenal, called The Battle of Scarif. And which is what I couple- said. Which is what I said that movie should have been to begin with. Is just a 45-minute long movie. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> but again, um, I was, I'm probably going to do a uh, a special special cut of all of the films together. Uh, one of the, these days coming up, and uh, it's time to celebrate. Yes, it certainly is. Uh, all right, cool. So cheap plugs, and then we can get out of here. Uh, as always, you can catch this podcast as well as all other podcasts. Part of the Next Level Podcast Network, uh, thenextlevelnetwork.com, facebook.com slash thenextlevelnetwork, and, of course, the Facebook page for this podcast, which is facebook.com slash Time. And as for me, you can always find me at the Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods through the nextlevelnetwork.com. The most recent episode, Disney Part 2, is now available for your listening pleasure. Uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to end up with a Disney Part 3 early next year. Um, I do have a list somewhere as far as, as far as what's coming next for the podcast, uh, but that will be coming out probably mid-May. Um, like I said, we're probably going to do a double episode coming up sometime soon to play a little bit of catch-up, because I do have a full schedule, but again, vacation screws everything up. <laughs> so, 
but yeah, and also a good special thanks to our good friend George Shaw at georgeshawmusic.com. Make sure you head over to his website, check out his SoundCloud, and support him. You hear his tunes each and every week on this podcast. Cool. Uh, so an, a fun episode. We got to talk uh, about a bunch of fandoms outside of um, just Legends of Tomorrow and such. But, you know, it was fun talking about Legends and Shazam and Fatal Five and Star Wars. So, uh, but that's how it is. We break away from from the tradition every once in a while. Hey, you know, it's fun. Like I said, we, we got to do that with Brian last week where we talked for like 45 minutes before even talking about a show, uh, which was great. It's really fun to be able to get a chance to just geek out. And that's kind of where the show started was just wanting to geek out. So Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's going to be and we might actually do stuff with Brian again in the future. We're going to we're going to reach out to him and see. But so no guarantee, but it'll be fun. Uh, it'll be a cool little addition if it, if it if it works out. Uh, oh, by the way, real quick, before um, I, I get to wrap everything up, uh, John Wesley Ship says hi to all Aww. to you and our listeners, as I did get the chance to see him face to face over the weekend, and we're working on doing something with him again next month. So, yeah, uh, I look we, forward to you, that. Three of us might get an opportunity to do something really fun. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, keep in mind, uh, just keep an eye out for that as well. Uh, but. That's it. Thank you for being a part of the family. Thank you for being a subscriber, a listener, everything that you guys do. Uh, Until next time, we'll see you guys around the band. Take care. Peace.